Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Cape podcast. Um, today, we continue with another interview with the lovely Aoife Niyakig, who is currently based up in Leitrim and has um, a strong connection to the land here in Ireland, working with native plants. And she is here today to tell her story and the beautiful wisdom she shares of Ireland. So Aoife, welcome to the podcast. Um, how are you doing today? Yeah, great to catch August. Um, yeah, got dinner. Uh, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here and I'm excited to to share. And uh, yeah, really honoured to be asked to come on your podcast. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And um, yes, we have a we definitely have a demand for you to come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> as from your lovely Instagram posts, um, which yeah ignite something in in all of us. Um, so thank you always for sharing. Um, would you be able to maybe give us a little background on how your connection to the land came to where it is today? Is this something that you had as a young girl? Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's it. There's a couple of books and stories and scales <laughs> in that question, I tell you. <laughs> I'm really just 26 in this body, but I've walked in many lifetimes to create the, the journey that I'm on now. Um, but yeah, so I suppose we all, I believe we all have an innate connection with the land. We're just born, you know, deeply connected with the earth. But, you know, some of us don't get grow up in environments that nourish that connection or that reflect that connection. And um, yeah, I grew up in Tala and uh, Locht in Balliaclia uh, in Dublin. And, you know, Although it was quite concrete there in many ways and very busy, um, it was on the foothills of the Dublin mountains. So, you know, we are literally, at, I suppose, the gateway or the door to the Dublin mountains. So nature was never too far away from me. And I was outside all the time growing up, like every moment that I wasn't in uh, school because I just went to school to go to sleep pretty much. <laughs> um, every moment I wasn't in school, um, I was outside the whole time and that was where I felt most at home but it was really yeah it would have really been in my teenage years that I started to cultivate a very deep connection with the land and with nature Um, yeah and an awareness that that was where I belonged that was where I found my belonging because I yeah I, I didn't really have that same sense of belonging in the community where I grew up anymore um, so I started to find that belonging in in nature and in natural spaces, particularly in like Wicklow and that I would go to to Blessington and the lakes a lot. And uh, I was lucky enough to be part of a yeah my community centre in um, in Killinarden uh, brought us on, on journeys around Ireland and we would have done a lot of outdoor pursuits and uh, kayaking and, and different things like that. So that was kind of the basis or the foundation of the connection that I began to cultivate in my early teenage years. And yeah, to be honest, then it actually, it really got propelled by, um, by psychedelics. <laughs> like this is not something that I um, promote now because I'm on a very different journey now, but you know, at probably about 14 or 15, uh, I started to get into psychedelics, particularly mushrooms and LSD and they really, yeah, opened up a very deep connection and awareness and spiritual 
awareness and communication with nature. I suppose that was really the point where I started to communicate with the land and with the trees and have an awareness of that exchange beyond just being in the space of nature. So, um, yeah, that would have been my kind of earlier years. And then as as time went on, I, um, yeah, I pretty much any moment that I could, I spent it outside. And I was talking earlier about being from Tala. I found this graveyard in Tala village. And when I was about 14 or 15, I used to go there and, at the full moon, I, I didn't even know what a ceremony was then, to be honest, but somehow I started to perform these ceremonies uh, at the full moon and make altars and build stone circles and medicine wheels. And I would also invite my friends there and we would hang out there and I would have some very profound moments. Like I had a, a time with a, I was under the full moon and a deer came into the graveyard when I was sitting under a yew tree. It's like 15 at the time. This deer came in and like sat beside me, and we both like looked up at the moon together, and it was very yeah, yeah, it was a very ancient kind of moment, and um, yeah, it was like this place was guiding me, um, and like I had just walked many lifetimes, um, with the land in this way, it very felt very natural to me, and uh, yeah, that was kind of my teenage years, and then I went traveling as soon as I finished school because that was like what I was waiting for my whole life. I was like, I can't wait to get out of this prison. <laughs> Like for some people enjoy school, but for me, it was like I my soul knew this is not where I'm meant to be from day one. Like my soul was like, this is not it. Like, you know, um, but anyways, I had to finish because my mom want and father and everything wanted me to. So um, like two days after I finished school, the leaving cert, I went traveling for four months. And that was really what freed my and liberated my whole soul. I went and I started living in caves um on beaches and forests and you know I hitchhiked all along the coast of Portugal I was living in a different cave and beach every day and then I got back to Ireland I was like why don't I just do this here you know so I started like moving around different forests and then I got brought to the Hill of Tara and that was what that was like the pivotal moment that changed my life forever Um. And yeah, I ended up living in the forest there for a while and stuff. So that was kind of really the um, from Tala to Tara kind of <laughs> timeline. <laughs> TT. <laughs> that could be the title of the book, the TT story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. From one hill to another. We're really planting a seed today. <laughs> um, and. I'm just intrigued like when you lived in the forest like how did you survive in the like real difficult weather in Ireland? Um, So I actually only had like a tent but like I was really looked after and provided for because it was like as soon as I got to Tara the first time I spent a week there it was October and again it was actually the mushrooms that guided me there I went and yeah I was having and some journeys with the mushrooms and everything and the fire wouldn't light and I was learning all these different lessons like from the land there about like respecting the spirits and everything and I got invited I kept getting invited back there again and again and eventually I came back probably around Bialtana and I just it was like the forest just opened up and was like you need to live here you need to study with the fire so when I just trusted in that even though I was only just gone 19 um, everything that I needed was provided for everything that I needed was provided for like it was like 
all of a sudden like a sheepskin would appear uh, someone brought me a stove like you know all these different things would just appear and it was just like the land the she the elements everything was supporting me being there because that was what I needed to do um, to really learn and to really study because what I needed to learn couldn't or wasn't able to be passed from another human or in a different way um, so yeah it was uh, I remember it rained for three days straight before like without stopping and that was probably <laughs> that was a real testament um, but I loved it I was sitting there and I had all the turf like um, drying itself around the edges of the stove so as it was raining it, it somehow the fire was still going like throughout the whole thing and it was keeping the turf dry and uh, yeah I just remember sitting there like wow is it ever going to stop raining for three days just raining non-stop but yeah I mean if you want to come one at the element with the elements you know it's like <laughs> yes and something important you mentioned there and you know I always think like teachers are very important and you know education is really important but actually the most important is actually our one-to-one connection with what is and the land and nature like that for me is the most powerful because sometimes we get lost in that and we're seeking teachers and guides and they are important to a degree but it's like the one-on-one there's nothing else like it you know there really isn't and that's like what I try to um, teach and guide people this is why like I say to people on my journeys like with the mugwort and um, different plant medicines that I share about I say this is not about me being a teacher here because ultimately the, you have the ability to learn directly from the plant itself or from the land or from the ancestors or from the sacred site nobody can give you the same connection um, through them as they can get directly from the place you know and Everyone has the ability to have this conversation, communication and relationship as well. And uh, yeah, that's the kind of way that I like to approach and facilitating experiences as well as like, this is about your direct connection with the plant or whatever, because um, yeah, I'm not going to, like my experience with something is not going to be the same as someone else's either. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, there's only so much you can get from another person like human guides are really important um for some people we all learn in different ways but ultimately that one-to-one connection with the land and that's really where I have thrived in my learning you know Mm. and I feel like as well from other beings animal species like this morning I was going around the farm and I was looking for the chickens like this happens every day like (laughs) they go missing and I go on the hunt looking for them and I was like chickens and I was going around banging a pot and I was like where are you chickens please don't tell me the fox (laughs) took you today I think every day the fox takes them but he never does and eventually I found them and sure they were inside in the bay leaf all like snuggled up and I was like, oh, no wonder you're in here, like protection, you know. And I'm like, I'm going to go under here now as well with them and see what they're doing. And I was I saw the tree from a totally different perspective, like the strength of it. Mm. It is like enormous and it is so powerful. And I was like, you know, nature doesn't do stuff just by chance. Like it's, you know, no. it's, all, it's all a system, super intelligent. Mm. But... Mm. Yeah, sometimes the animals can guide us too into that. They can bring us mm. back, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, and you mentioned the mugwort as well. 
Um, what would you say for anybody listening? Um, yeah, like what can Mugwort do for us? Um, yeah. And yeah, what are its kind of gifts? Yeah, so Mugwort is, um, <laughs> Mugwort is so much. It's another thing that I could speak for another, for a year about. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Mugwort is one of the master plants of Ireland. So what do I mean by a master plant? You know, um, master plant is something that can do many different things and is like a supreme healer. Um, mugwort works on many systems on the in the body on a physical level. It works on the nervous system. It's a nervine tonic. Um, it's good for the reproductive system for for women particularly. You know, you you hear it very much so associated with uh, women's health, and it's mostly women that actually come and do my journeys. Although I do, you know, share mugwort, and you know, with men, it's not a gender specific thing. But it is women that often feel called to work with mugwort. And their other name is cronewort, which is like crone, like the witch or the um, the wise elder, the grandmother. And mugwort really has that energy. It's like it holds space for us to process our emotions. It's it's deeply, yeah, it's deeply nourishing on an emotional level because so much of our time is spent jumping from one experience to the to the next so much of the world that we live in is really fast and within that fast-paced kind of way of being there's very little space for us to actually drop in and process our lives like so much has happened as I said for me mugwort has been really important because I have experienced lifetime after lifetime within this actual just present lifetime do you know what I mean (laughs) and it's like okay well all of the things that I have experienced and gone through and the journeys I've taken and pilgrimages and all sorts of stuff you know they all need to be integrated and felt and expressed and and everything so for me Mugwort has been like a space holder she's like that grandmother that comes in and holds space for us to sit into our emotions (laughs) and feel them and um yeah, as I was saying, on uh, in terms of the systems, it's healing for the digestive system as well. Um, it's antiparasitic. And I always say, you know, for every physical quality of a plant, there is also the energetic and spiritual quality of, of the plant contained within it. So you have the physical aspect, which is the digestive, you know, the digestive quality. And if you have digestion, that's like the breaking down or the assimilation of nutrients the breaking down and assimilation of our emotions, of our experiences. So that's the the part that's, you know, the processing aspect. Um, and then, yeah, it's very cleansing, it's purifying. And, you know, that's just like physical qualities. Then if you think about the dream space, like mugwort is just famous for how it affects our dreams. Uh, and I, you know, I've always been a dreamer from a young child. I had prophetic dreams. It's something that runs in my family. My mom has it. My brother has it. And I could always really, yeah, very connected with the dream space. It's it's somewhere I feel very at home. So, you know, working with Mugwort has just been like, <laughs> yeah, very much a coming home and a very resonant experience. But for a lot of people, they don't remember their dreams and Mugwort really enhances um, our dream recall, our ability to kind of, yeah, have more of a tangible experience of our dreaming. And, uh, you know, it makes it more visual, like some people experience lucid dreaming and have just more of an amplified um, dream space and more kind of awareness within our dream space. So, 
yeah and that's like that's really only getting started <laughs> on the benefits of mugwort and um, it is it's it's something that really connects us with uh the womb with the mother with the maternal line with healing the feminine line the bloodline it's something that comes up a lot for people when they're um, doing ancestral healing work to work with this plant as an ally and um, it has really helped me actually in, in terms of connecting with my female ancestors so uh, yeah that's just a little bit about mugwort and it is one of the the ancient and sacred herbs of, of this land. It's like for thousands of years, it has been uh, prized by the Druids um, and it's used in ceremony and ritual. It enhances ritual practice, it enhances magic. Um, I always use it at the beginning and at the end and during ceremonies um, because it's very cleansing, it purifies um, yeah, any impurities out of the auric field and also out of yeah, the air in general. So. It's a powerful ally of these times and it's definitely awakening big time on this land. And um, yeah, it's beautiful to, to see so many people getting called to work. And would you say for anybody interested, obviously we're going into the colder energy root system kind of season, but for anybody wanting to maybe forage, um, can they find it abundantly in the wild or what would you say to people about that? Yeah, so with mugwort, not at this time of year, like it's really going into its um its winter phase. It's it's dying back now. Um, but it's still nice to go and be with it. Like I like to spend time with plants throughout the year, and that's how you really get to know them. It's like you get to know them through their different phases. Um, and that's actually a really important part of plant relationship is just sitting with the plant. It's not always about ingesting it. It's not always about harvesting it. Um, this time of year, it's definitely dying back. Um, it will be back again in late spring, uh, early summer. Kind of like it depends on where you are really in the country because some places it comes up a lot later. You might get it in April, May. You, you might really start to notice it in June. Um, it should be definitely around by May. And yeah, it's common in, in, on this land in Erin, but it's not as common as it, as it would be across the waters in the UK. Uh, like over there, it's everywhere. It's prolific. And it's said that the Romans actually planted it along the roadsides because they used it to stuff their sandals um, to relieve any sort of pain when they were walking on long journeys. And we didn't have the same situation with the Romans, so they didn't get to repopulate the mugwort maybe the druids over harvested some of it here because it's not as uh, common but I'm hopefully yeah I, I would love to see us actually planting it everywhere again um, because it grows amazingly once you you, plow, you plant a little bit of it it grows into a huge big bush and kind of takes over a space so um, it grows yeah like you get it on coastlines you get it near river banks, you get it in parks or in kind of nearly like disrupted ground and um, on roadside sometimes. But as I said, like it wouldn't be as strong here as it would be in the UK, but you can definitely find it, you know. Hmm. And I really like how you said about like, it's not always about harvesting it, you know, it's about mm. sitting with it as well. And I find mm. that's the egoic mind as well that comes in it's like take 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 eat 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 mm. take that take that and it's so funny like because I I had a big huge grapevine growing this year and the grapes it was like something out of 
a temple. Like it was just, it was all coming down the doors, the tunnel and everything. And people were like, people at the workshops were like, what are they grapes? And I actually, I was like, people were like, oh, you should make wine. You should make this, you should make that. And I was like, you know what? Like, like if you're to do everything with the land, you'd have no time. Like you'd be just so tired. And I was like, you know what? The wasps and the insects have had the time of their life and I'm watching it now and the grapes are still on it. I had one this morning and I'm just wow. like, you know, I can leave that there. And like with all the other bits that are still on the ground, like it's nourishing the soil, you know, mm. the chickens had mm. amazing breakfasts. Like, you know, mm. it's just, it's great to unlearn that thing of like, let's take it all and just, why don't we just leave it? You know, exactly exactly leave it we don't need to it's pressure as well for us like it's actually it creates so much pressure of like we must have everything we must take everything we must buy everything like that's just exactly. never ending is it that is never ending and the thing is there's always more to do or there's more we could do and that's that kind of so as modern day colonial mindset as well and um yeah when you live in reciprocity it's really about slowing down like connecting with plants and harvesting medicine and everything and growing as you you know yourself it's really about slowing down and being present with the plant um or the tree or the animal or whatever it is that we're in relationship with because you know there's this tendency to oh I just want to get it and go and you know I just want to take away the quick kind of option and I've caught myself even in the past doing that and being like here I need to slow down like this harvesting is actually just as important as the ingestion of it this you know, planting is just as important as the, the harvesting or whatever. So, yeah, for me, that that energy of reciprocity, I'm just learning more and more about it all the time through my relationship with the plants. And, yeah, the world we live in is always looking for a quick cure and, you know, take this and take that. And, you know, I've seen that big time, you know, in terms of even, like, how people use plant medicines and different psychedelic medicines and everything. And that's why... I took a step back from all of that as well because I realised that that actually wasn't necessary for my journey anymore. And, um, yeah, I just see it today that the world feels so sick that people are just trying to gobble whatever they can in order to get better. But, like, you know, I think getting better and long-lasting sustainable wellness, it takes a holistic approach that, you know, it takes time. It takes like It's like the oak growing. The oak doesn't just like jump up out of ground one day and be a huge oak, like <laughs> and it goes through its journey. So um yeah, I feel there's so much for us to learn when we just slow down and really be with the land and witness how it grows and how it presents itself, you know. And like I find as well, you probably do as well, like this kind of grieving and especially like premenstrual, this grieving feels even more. And it's like oh my God, what way have we been living? And then when you really look at nature and step away, you're like, it's the total reverse, you know? Yeah. And we've built this. We've 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 created the conditioning and mm. removing all of that. And, you know, it's great, like, to connect with you today and all mm. the other people around and, like, grow that because mm. we have to change our rhythm, you know? Mm. There's no other way. No. And that quick fix again is there, like the gobble, the food, the drink, whatever it is. It's like, how can I stop the pain? And it's like, you actually just have to sit in the pain and face it. You know, 
it's as hard as exactly. it is like we have to just sit in it and the minute we give it like air time mm. like even a little bit of time you know like mm. have a cry or whatever you come out then you're light as feather again you know it feels like I don't do it I don't do it oh my god I'm not. and then you face it for like a bit and then mm. it's like oh I'm grand mm. again now mm. the next little bit of pain. <laughs> <laughs> the wave and the wave and the wave <laughs> but um yeah and um, how did you find, like, I suppose you've transformed your journey so, so the psychedelic kind of got you kind of, I suppose, on the, as you were saying about it, and then now you're taking a different approach. Um, Yeah, how do you find that new approach now? Yeah, so I suppose, um, like, a medicine is only a medicine when we're sick. Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> And like for me, when I came in contact with uh, different psychedelic plant medicines, they were what I needed in that time on my journey. They were what I needed in order to to wake up parts of myself that really, yeah, needed to come alive and in order for me to step into my mission. Because this in this time that we're in, we need to like step forward and stand up and, and do what needs to be done. Like, you know what I mean? And the plant, the plants really were an amazing ally for, yeah, awakening those parts of my soul that were like a bit dormant or a bit hurt or a bit damaged from the, the upbringing and the challenges that I faced uh, in my earlier years. And also the schooling, you know, a lot of the plant medicine that I did and uh, like going to Peru and sitting in the jungle with ayahuasca and different things. It was a lot about clearing away a lot of the conditioning that I had picked up from school and yeah, society and people around me and stuff that just wasn't me on a soul level. I had nothing got to do with me actually. And, it, um, you know, I actually really needed those plant medicines to, to wipe it clear. And I wasn't at certain points. Yeah. When I was a teenager, I may have been taking them re- recreationally, but overall it was mostly in a very spiritual context and it got to a certain point in my journey where they started to no longer help do you know what I mean they started to actually inhibit my journey I have to say it was like they were bringing me in a direction that I didn't need to go because if you think about this is what I often share and when I'm sharing about plant medicines you know every plant has a frequency right so you know, if you think of the frequency of ayahuasca, you know, mushrooms, all these different things, right? They all have different frequencies. So when we ingest something, we connect with that frequency. We are imbued with that frequency. And, you know, if we're, we're ingesting different things, we're tapped into different frequencies. It's like we're tapped into different radio stations and we're not tapped into our own internal radio station, ultimately, because these are quite strong energies. They're very strong plant spirits and um, particularly plants like ayahuasca and stuff. Amazing for a lot of people, but not a medicine I would recommend to everyone um, because, yeah, it's, it's very strong. Um, and luckily I was able to handle it, but it definitely started to steer me into a different direction. And yeah, I, I then I, I started to identify this is actually no longer helping me. And the fire then... Um, came in and was like look you're at a point in your journey where um these plants have really helped you but they're starting to actually hurt you um well my relationship with them was starting to hurt me and um 
also because of the, the thing in Ireland with like addictions and different patterns within my own lineage was starting to emerge through all of this. And when I wiped it away, like my nervous system was actually able to relax. And then I was able to integrate everything that had arisen in it all, but actually start to live my life from a very whole place that didn't feel sick. I don't feel sick like I need, oh, I need healing. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like we're all on a healing journey. I'm always getting better, <laughs> but I don't feel like, oh, I'm sick, give me medicine. Um, so for me, those kind of, I feel quite extreme medicines um, and particularly the psychedelic experience, you know, I think there's only so much of that we actually need on our path. And then after that, it's like, you know, we need to draw from our own well. You know, I can have a psychedelic experience just sitting under a hawthorn tree. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really do. Like, I'm like, wow, you know, I have such a different um, sense of awareness and sensitivity. The more that we cleanse and purify ourselves, and that's the path that I got led on was like physically cleansing and purifying myself through my diet and through the way I live my life. It's like, it's not like, oh, I take this one medicine and everything's better. It's like, actually... I'm going to live my life in a way that is medicine and um, for me and for everyone around me. And uh, yeah, I, I think then that's the, that's the integration of all those experiences, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, and great strength to hear that whisper of like, you need to stop and change now. Like that's great that you followed yeah. that voice um mm. and something really really interesting as well what you said and I totally agree with it like we can actually access those states in our bodies right now right here mm -hmm. under the tree at the wherever looking at a petal looking at an insect we can access that and mm. we we're just like oh no we need this we need this chasing chasing yeah. chasing what if we actually sit with ourselves and believe that we can yeah. access it you know um, I remember one day like and this is like the human condition one day I was like under a tree and I was holding a full colony of bees in my hand like bare hand wow. like 50,000 bees queen inside there all in my hand all female and I was like and all full of honey as well like you know pure magic under a tree and I was like shit and I actually took a video of the whole thing and I was like ecstatic like I was beyond human <laughs> it's just like I'm holding the universe like I was gone mad but I do like with the bees I got I go like to another level you know and I had a video of that and I put it up online and there was a guy messaging me privately he was like ah you're definitely taking loads of mushrooms anyway and I was like no like you know he had that perception but I'm like no like you can actually access this like it's trying to educate as well that you don't have to be high off your kite like to access like even our breath we can get so like mm. out of body and miraculous yeah. things and it's like believing that just the belief even of our mm. power and mm. people forgetting their power you know and mm. um, that's it it's it, that's the thing it's like sometimes we need the plants and stuff to remember our power but then it's like actually we are able to access that from within in every moment because that's who we like we are that we have an aspect of those magical experience within us like everything that we are shown we have the ability to show ourselves and you know it's like what you said it's like I just think people sometimes are trying to outsource things that they don't believe that they have within themselves and then when you just have that remembrance that 
this is already within me. You know, you don't need it anymore. But it's not to say that it's like bad or good or anything like that, or you should or you shouldn't do it. It's just like, it's just knowing that we can do it without it as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. And the more I feel as I like, the more we remove and the, I find as well, the less information, the less, the less, the less. Stop taking in so much information. Like just go out and sit with mm-hmm. something outside and see what comes into you because mm-hmm. you can read every book under the sun. Like, but until yeah. you're practically one-on-one sensory, like then you're getting information, like information, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. I wasn't able to read books for years, actually. Yeah. Um, it was like the land wasn't letting me read books or I didn't have a phone for a few years either, like a smartphone. And I was brilliant. Like it was amazing because I wasn't taken in. I was just like completely present in the moment. And that was where I was really learning, you know. That's amazing, actually. I like that as well, because like. When I was in school, like my mum used to be like, oh, the English teacher told me you're supposed to read books. And I used to never read. I was like, no, like because I was like you, like I wouldn't spend an ounce of time inside only for bed like just bedtime I go in you know exactly. and they'd be like will you come in and just read books because you need to improve your English like your essay writing and I'm like I don't need to do that and she's I'd always be honest but that's a great I'm going to use that in the future like I'd be like nature told me not to read books <laughs> yeah that's what I felt like it was like I'm actually not allowed to I was you know I didn't feel like but I used to read a book every day when I was a child and that was more to do with you know I was trying to get out of the reality I was in probably and you know and I also have a love of words though I do have a love of words and expression and poetry and everything and I've always written you know myself but you know when it got to that point it was that tire it was just like you can't you're just not meant to read anymore you know and I didn't read for up until very recently like you know what I mean it was like maybe a year or so ago I actually started to read again and but not like I don't read a huge amount either but um I found that time was like the spaciousness because I wasn't constantly filling myself and it's the same with you know as you're saying the information like if we're taking lots of different plant medicines and different things it's like all that information we can only assimilate so much and we also take up a lot of internal space so that we're not actually able to receive from our own well and ultimately from you know that which is around us our environment and then yeah it's it's a really interesting thing like this human experience that we're having and trying to figure out what what's the best thing to do <laughs> I know and then like I was listening to a thing the other day and like just a reminder of like the macro and the micro and that the whole universe and everything's in our body and then you're like sure we're just this is just insane like they're like who's beating your heart who's flowing your blood like it's all happening to you you know and then you have the realization of oh my god like what am I you know, it's a miracle. Um, but yeah, and during like this time of year as well, um, yeah, I'd be interested to know how the fire, how you connect with the fire and how it assists you in this time. Yeah, good question. So um the fire, wow, what <laughs> what uh, a special friend, what one of the most consistent uh, loves and friendships that I've had, or we as humans have had for millions of years, really. Um, yeah, I suppose on a very practical level, like if you think about our ancestors, like at this time of year, the fire is essential. Like The fire is essential because 
without it, we just simply wouldn't live. We wouldn't survive. And I experienced that when I lived in. I moved from Tara to another very sacred piece of land, and um, very close to the Hill of Ishnuk. Um, that was straight after when I lived at Tara, and I had a um, like a bender I I built out of uh, hazel and willow, and uh, canvas, and I had a little stove in it. And I lived very simply. I had no electricity. It was completely off grid, and then um, I just drank from the well and had a lovely little garden and everything. But anyways, when I lived there, it was like you know. Like the fire was, if I didn't have that fire, I literally wouldn't have lived. Like, do you know what I mean? And uh, I mean, like for a company, because I was living there on my own, although I had visitors at times, um, it was, you know, it was the ultimate companion. It was like my baby that, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night to feed. You know, I slept right beside that fire. And I remember I kept the turf on it uh, during the night to keep it going because I could never let it go out. You know, it was like, feeling of you can't let the fire go out you can't let the fire go out and um i'd wake up in the middle of the night and i am um, put a bit of torf on it and then wake up again and put another bit of torf on it and it cooks you know it cooks my food it makes my tea and it's yeah it's giving me light it's giving me heat but it is that companion that hears my prayers and that also alleviates some of my suffering or alleviates any worries that i have um, it's like that, like as I was saying, like the, the mugwort is like the grandmother or the shanwalker. You know, for me, the fire is the shanahar, you know, it's the grandfather. And it sits there and it's like just so consistent in its presence, no matter what. Any time that I light a fire, I come home to myself. Um, and yeah, my journey with fire has been one that, I mean, I if you think about, if you're into astrology, you know, Sag Sagittarius is my sun sign, so Sagittarius is a, a fire sign. So fire has always been something that I have been uh, deeply connected with, and you know, as a young child, setting things on fire and just being like in awe of fire. But in those later kind of teenage years, coming into that relationship with fire, I was like, wow, this is like a powerful element. This is there's something like beyond just the practical. Uh, use of it there's something deeply spiritual with this element or with all elements but particularly in my connection with it and yeah I mean it's it's uh, throughout all indigenous cultures basically fire is used as a divination tool it's used as um, a purification tool a cleansing um, tool it's been used on this land uh, the cattle were always driven between the two fires at Yaltana um, at Ishnak there would have been two fires, they say a masculine and a feminine fire. The cattle would be driven through uh, the two fires to purify them um, of any illnesses for the year ahead. And um, there's that tradition of jumping over the fire as well. It's always felt to be something for cleansing. And if, you know, if we look at a uh, modern culture, um, you know, you have this like lighting a candle for a loved one kind of tradition that's very still very present in Ireland and um, you go into a church you light a candle or you light a candle at home for a loved one this comes from our connection with fire it really it comes from that connection of praying into the fire and into the flames and that's very much a huge part of my practice my spiritual practice is anchored in that um, prayer with the fire and that conversation with the fire and um, that brings a lot of healing and clarity and um purification so yeah it's like if it's like that telephone line between us and spirit or god or whatever higher 
source that you believe in um, or resonate with. Um, fire is, is that connection point for me. Or one of those connection points, because I mean, you can find it in, in many different ways mm. in the elemental forces, but fire is like when you light a fire with an intention, it opens up that space for connection and communication with the divine, with the divine within ourselves and with the, the divine that exists in all. So um, this time of year would be very much a time of practical fire <laughs> usage, but also fire dreaming um, and, you know, tuning into the year, the, the next year to come and the cycle, the next cycle to come. And uh, yeah, like also do cleansing feel, them. Do you feel like it reminds you of the sun? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the fire is the, the sun upon the earth, I suppose, isn't it? It's like the the manifestation, the, the earthly manifestation of the sun. <laughs> yeah. And we're always looking for that light, that bit of heat, that... You know. Oh yeah, so comforting. Like you can't beat it. Like the original television, number one Netflix channel. <laughs> I know everybody. Everyone is drawn to light. You know, it's like a an emitter. Like the minute we see light, we're like, oh, go for that. You know, yeah. where can I buy that light? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, having little solar suns in our fireplaces. Um. Yeah. Um, I actually had a little question come in for you as well. Um, for people who would like oh, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we're on a TV show. Um, for people that would like to oh, connect yeah. with their ancestors, and maybe they're not mm. visiting sacred sites, how would one do so? Yeah. So I suppose if we um, good question, um. If we think of ancestors, like, are we talking about ancestors of blood or of soul? Because, you know, when we connect in with a lot of the sacred sites, they would be um, more ancestors of soul or of place, you know, so they may not necessarily be connected with us in our blood lineage, but they are connected with this place, this land that we, uh, you know, call home, this land that is a part of us. So, I mean, going to sacred sites very much nourishes that aspect. The ancestors of place, the ancestors of soul. You know, for me, it's like that connection with the two of the Dan and, um, and the ancient ones that built these ancient, our own individual ancestral relationship, you know, our blood lineage. Um, and for people, the best way to begin is to look at your names. So to look at your names, everyone pretty much would know their their. Um, their mother and their father's second name. That's the basis to start with, to look at the names and where do those names originate from? What do they mean? Who are your people? These are the questions you need to ask yourself. Who are your people? You know, who, like, what are you born of? What did your people do? Where are they from? Um, you know, what are their patterns? So, you know, there are websites that you can track this if you want to put in your, um, the ancestor are the names that you know and you can track back through your lineage there's one ancestry.co.uk it's actually my sister um, did it for us a couple of years ago and it was great it was amazing I still I'm learning more about my ancestors all the time through it and um, but we were able to connect through my mom and my dad's lineage all the way back to like a good few hundred years ago 
and um, to track like where all of our ancestors were from and where they lived. A lot of my ancestors, my dad's side would have emigrated to the UK. So I was able to track their, you know, emigration patterns and stuff. And then, you know, notice within my own life, how did that maybe uh, impact my relationship with place or belonging in my earlier years? Um, yeah, you can make then like a little altar for your ancestors. You can maybe visit the places um, that they're from. Uh, you can make, yeah, a little altar or if you have an altar existing already, you can have like a section on that altar that's to do with your ancestors. Maybe you have a photo of um, a grandparent, you know, on that altar. Maybe you have, have um, a photo, but like, you know, with something that they loved, you know, for my grandfather, he reminds me of Warder's Originals, his sweets. <laughs> mm. um, so that's something that I could feed him with, you know, there's like different ways that we can feed this connection and be reminded of our ancestors uh, through these little rituals and practices. You know, you can have a candle there, light your little candle and have your little um, space of communication and prayer with your ancestors you can you can go and visit a grave uh, there's many it's you, you can see even today that there's still a quite a strong ancestral relationship within Ireland and um, in how we you know go on about even death you know and funerals and uh, wakes and uh, burials you know and going and visiting graves and singing and telling stories by gravesides, you know, that's still all a very much a, a present day integrated ancestral relationship. So um, it's all there. It's like that thing that we were talking about earlier. You know, it's your eyes may be blind to it, but then when you start thinking about, oh, ancestors, and oh, it's like, oh, actually, it was always there. You know? <laughs> um, so I don't know, does that answer the question? But like, as I just get back to it, that one of the main ways to start is to focus on your names and to ask your if you, if your parents are still alive and you can ask them like as far back as they can go the ancestors that they remember and what did they do for a living what jobs did they do and um, where did they live you know and start to get to know them and um you know were they musicians is there some way that you can connect with uh, or identify some of the gifts that would have come through them and uh, yeah thank you um and I was going to ask you a bit about the ditches. <laughs> um at the moment, um passing through Samhain, um if people were, you know, getting looking at that nature differently, maybe for medicine, what kind of last bits do you think people could go out and gather before everything kind of dies off? Yeah, so a niche um there are lots of rose hips in the hedges, loads of rose hips, which are one of our main sources of vitamin C, actually. They are packed full of vitamin C and antioxidants. They are super charged, like rose hips are the source. <laughs> um, and if you look at my uh, Instagram, you'll find a rose hip syrup recipe. You can use that to then even make a rose hip uh, ketchup, which I made and is amazing. Um, just add some spices and stuff to that. Uh, yeah you can make rose hip tea and all I think the syrup is just amazing um, so you can get loads of rose hips you can also get uh, hawthorns, hawthorn berries which are uh, one of my favourite ever I have a big basket of hawthorn here people won't be able to see but I'm just going to show you this is all I I'll gathered on I'll take a photo 
trying to get myself out of it. Hello. <laughs> yeah, so this is the big basket of Hawthorns. Um, wow. So no. I'm currently, yeah, in full swing. I think you're making and stuff and, and getting ready for the year ahead because, you know, these medicines only come around for the time that they do um, and then they disappear for another year. And there's always grief in that for me. It's like letting go of a loved one. And they disappear, you know, it's like, oh, you're gone now. <laughs> and then, but then it's like, oh, okay, well, something else has come that I'm here to connect with, or, you know, I'll see it again soon. It's never like, you know, at the same time with the Hawthorne, you know, the tree never leaves either. So you get to connect with it in other ways, and it's beautiful to see it bare as well. Um, and the kind of, yeah, Kyliok kind of barrenness of that. But then, yeah, the Hawthorns are very much so out and very juicy at the, at this time and that kind of thing I'm trying to think what else is there that you could I mean seaweed that's not in the hedges but you know after a storm around full or new moon the seaweed would be out a good bit and this is a good time of year to forage seaweed so um, yeah berries I mean you, of course you have your slow berries in that as well and you would have had your sea buckthorn I think they're kind of gone now Um. A lot of things are starting to, to die off in the hedges, you know. But you'll definitely still get your, your rose hips and your paws. And how would you prepare rose hips? Or, like, do you do the syrup or do you eat it another way? Just the syrup? No, you have to be careful of the seeds and the hairs in the rose hips because they're kind of an irritant. Um, but the, I find that the best way I personally like to work with rose hip is through the um syrup i just find it the easiest um, and most delicious as well and um, you can also make fruit leathers as well you know which involves you know uh, maybe the rose hips and the hawthorns and you make a mash and you kind of uh, dehydrate it either in a dehydrator or in an oven um, and you can find all sorts of recipes for things online tinctures as well are another way to to work with them um, but i just find the syrup is amazing you can add it to can make a hot drink out of it you can add it to your porridge you know and how would you would you just eat the hawthorn berries or do you make teas with it or how do you the leaves um, or... yeah i do pretty much everything with hawthorn berries i'm eating them now because i've been reminded of it they're so delicious <laughs> but um they i make tinctures i make a very special tincture um over in the corner there but it takes me nine months to make it it involves the leaves the blossoms and the berries of the haw and um yeah it's always exciting it's that thing as i said like of waiting around like you can't rush this process do you know what i mean um but that's one of my favorite things to do with the haws and then i also make tea and um, i put them in syrups and um, also you can make fruit leather but my main thing with the haws are definitely the tinctures yeah but I just eat them as they are as well they're amazing such an amazing heart medicine strengthening on a physical level and also supportive on an emotional and spiritual energetic level mm. and is it the rowan berry that has the cyanide or which one is that now oh you're thinking about elder um is it the elder in the um the black the branches one of them I was reading about something like that yeah just to be careful or whatever 
Um, yeah, there's definitely traces of uh, cyanide in a lot of things, actually. In most of the the plants and all, they have traces of cyanide, but some just have more than others. Um, definitely on the stems of the elder, uh, there's cyanide, and that's why you should always take them off the stems. Yeah. Wonderful. And would you say um, you obviously live in season, right? Like, would this be your... Do you find it easy to let go during this time of the year? Or do you have a particular season that you're kind of favoured of? Um, no, I do think I find it easy to let go uh, in this season, like because my birthday is in December. Mm. Very much resonant with the darker hours of or part of the year, you know, um, and also that connection with like the darkness and the fire the ancestors you know that's very much like this time of year <laughs> so yeah. in many ways like yeah I feel at home at this time of year and I do find it I love letting go I mean I'm here to cleanse and purify and transform energy so for me it's like yeah this is actually where it's at you know what I mean <laughs> not to say that I don't love a bit of heat as well like I'm, I'm definitely partial to a bit of heat and um light and everything but you know, I just know that everything has its phases and its seasons. And uh, that's what makes living on this land so beautiful as well, you know. Mm. And do you think, I'm just intrigued, Um, you know, some people who kind of chase the sun, like they live in full year sun, like obviously we're all the same humans. Like, do you mm. think there's a, do they have a less of a time kind of, because they don't get to integrate the dark period, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, Um, I actually went away to Guatemala there. It was during the end of the pandemic because I was like, Jesus, this is really intense here, like what was going on and everything. And um, the energy got a bit heavy and I was like, I need to just like go off and, yeah, and just breathe into some space away from all of this. And um, I went to Guatemala, but it was the first time I ever went away in winter and uh yeah it was it was really weird like it was like I wasn't able for it to be honest I I just found it very intense I was I struggled I definitely struggled with that whole aspect of like I meant to be in the dream space I meant to be in that cocoon of like rest and stillness and quiet and not as much social activity and I I get to Guatemala and it's like full beam and sun all the time like lots of people no, I, I mean, I was meant to be there. It was beautiful. And, you know, the connection that I had with the fire there and everything. And yeah, I learned a lot there um, at the Mayans and all. But it was, yeah, I found it hard. I was like, oh, this isn't for me. You know, I'm glad that I got to experience this, but I will never do it again. You know, and I think, yeah, we need the yin and the yang. Like, we just do. Like, the world can't be in a forever summer. Um, so I do think there's an avoidance maybe that comes with. Uh, living in uh, the land of eternal summer you know yeah and earlier when you mentioned about the plant as well like I totally identify with that it's like the it's a constant love and grief process it's like love and grief you're here and then love and grief another one and then love it's a constant letting go you know there's a beautiful tree at home there and it's the Philadelphus and it flowers uh, for a really 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 short time but the minute it comes out the smells are all over the place and I, every morning, I my head is inside and every night my head is inside and, I, and it's just gone. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but 
it's super short you know yeah and have you stuck your head in that one (laughs) I actually don't think I have no not yet (laughs) it's like a white flower but it's really short sometimes it feels like it's only there for about a week or two and it's gone okay the smells are potent like they come all down like around the corners of the house I just Mm. literally dive into it when it's there you know like diving (laughs) with all the bees and everything else I'm like yeah let's stay in here for the day (laughs) (laughs) and it was really funny because I had people down for a workshop one day and I was like okay guys if you're going to practice like some you know connection stuff let's all go into this bush right now (laughs) all of our heads were in there with our noses and it was just such a funny picture but it was amazing you know they were like I never thought I would do this but you know it's it is what it is that's like real perfume you know not like the fake perfume you know oh no whatever that is yeah yeah who knows (laughs) Um, knows? would you like to share um anything else um that you'd like to get out there or um yeah I mean just yeah I suppose just go outside (laughs) yeah you know go outside and go inside yourself and um yeah I mean just yeah I mean everyone has their own answers you know even anything that I'm sharing here you know we all have our own individual journey there is no ultimate truths with these kind of things like even with you know being in the land of eternal summer maybe that's what some people need like I have my own needs and my own experience and my experience is very much rooted in this land of era you know it's like so my my reality is very specific do you know what I mean it's not like it's not the same as someone else's that was born in Peru or Guatemala or Czechoslovakia or you know any you know it's like my reality is very specific however what we all need is is love. What we all need is love. Like it doesn't matter what we believe in, what we think is the right or the wrong way, which is always debatable. You know, opinions are only opinions. What unites us all actually is the heart um, and our need for love and our need to uh, to remember to bring love into our lives, into how we connect with what is around us, how we connect with ourselves, our relationships with our friends, our family, and people that we meet on the streets, the animals, the plants, you know, it really all, it actually all comes back to love. And I don't want to sound cliche, but it's just the truth. Like that's, for me, that is the only truth. Everything else is, um, yeah, debatable and just a matter of opinion, really. <laughs> um, yes. So yeah, I always come back to the heart. I mean, that's the, that is the message. Yeah. And like as well, just something I've been clicking into lately is like, are you doing enough of what you love? Like so many people walking around like zombies. I'm so tired. I'm wrecked. But are you actually doing things that you love? Because that is where your energy is going to come from. Because the more you're in that state of love, the more yeah. power. Like love is an immeasurable, infinite energy. So like the more we're in that, sure we can go on forever. Like. <laughs> you know but that's it people think what's my purpose here what am I meant to be doing and all it's like you're here to actually love and to celebrate life like no I'm not saying do that and also wreck the place like you know what I mean but you know find what brings you joy and do that and celebrate sing and dance that's what the land wants us to do the land wants us to celebrate life 
spirit wants us to celebrate life. We're not here to be miserable and heavy. We're not here to sit in doom and gloom. Yeah, we can take an inspired actions and live our life in a good way that, you know, isn't destructive to the land and to ultimately to creation. But we need to do this with joy and with celebration and the heart. And I think that's the most important thing because that is the frequency that ripples out and heals the earth and heals the world, you know, is that um that joy and that love, you know? Mm, yeah. People feel it from you. You know, if I if I was to go around like fucking miserable, like even in my ceremonies, like in really serious moments, I come through with the crack, like because it's just like, you know, that love and the crack and that vibration is what heals. It really is. Um and people feel it and it spreads to them and then they spread it to more people. And that's actually what we need to be doing, you know. Yeah. Not arguing with each other about what's right and wrong and who believes what and politics and all. It all has its place, but you know, just simplify it. Simplify it with crack, kyol, og scrap. <laughs> Definitely. And also like removing the shame of feeling like, you know, when we feel shit or we feel sad, or we feel anxious, like, yeah, we feel that, but actually you can actually say that, that's fine. And like yeah. you can actually still be a vessel of love and light and be in that space of really shittiness. Because yeah. if we're trying to hide that, like it's totally dishonoring it, you know, like because yeah. like I know when I get PMS and friends or whatever, and we ring each other and we're like, oh my God, I'm complaining and mad. Like complain, give it all like because you're still showing up, you know, you're actually mm-hmm. honoring those lower like vibrational energies and more you honor them even if they are lower like you're still going to be coming out light you know exactly and well you're you're being real you know we're not here to pretend we're anything do you know what I mean it's like we're here to be real and we're here to feel and when we feel we heal you know and that is what's real you know and then when we feel all of that then we can actually come into that space of really being happy and express expressing the joy that we are um, but we are also that sadness as well. And when we, yeah, wholeheartedly welcome all of ourselves, that's when we can really be at peace and uh, really understand what it is to be alive, I think. Yeah. And maybe just on a final point, because I can see the big, huge harp behind you. Oh, yeah. Beautiful love heart. <laughs> I can see a love heart. Um, would you, um, and the light is just flowing through the this, um strings um would you maybe just give a little share on the harp maybe uh like is this your new harp this is my new harp i actually just bought this harp yesterday believe it or not. <laughs> yeah um my other harp is over here i had a smaller one and um, made out of irish willow and bog oak and bog you and bog pine um yeah the harp oh the harp is like the healer of the harp it's the symbol of of ireland a symbol of era um, it's very deeply woven within our cultural identity. And uh, yeah, the harp is really, for me, um, a representation of being of this land. It's a representation of the magic of this land. It's one of the oldest and most ancient instruments that we have on this land. And uh, it's connected with our mythology, our stories, the essence, the spirit. You know, the harp for me really is like the spirit of this land. and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a magical tool as well as um, you know, an instrument that plays beautiful music. But the harpers in ancient Ireland were 
um, very important members of society. They were thought to be basically political leaders. Um, they had they were high ranked within society, and you had, yeah, you had to be able to play songs of sorrow, songs of joy, uh, songs of uh, laughter or celebration, and it really reflects that with the heart. There's this magical quality of expression that's able to influence the energy around us. It's a sound healing tool, really. It's uh, one of our native sound healing tools. So um, yeah, she's not. I don't even think she's in tune, really. No, she's not. But even after that, she's still amazing. <laughs> that was beautiful, little um, taster. <laughs> um, that was beautiful. Thank you, and thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. So we might wrap it up there. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's amazing. Thank you, Gach, for Margot. Um, yes uh, folks if you've enjoyed this episode give it a share send it to a friend it might help somebody and um, thank you to the patrons who are supporting every month if you can support please uh, do so help me with my conservation work and um, also if anybody wants to join on the 26th of November a Be Wild journey just get in touch and we'll see you all again very soon for some lovely conversations Ciao.